Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 11. We were out last week, but I want to return to the theme that uh, I had been preaching on for several weeks before vacation. And uh, there's a verse that we looked at, looked at that uh, is very provocative, very, a very powerful uh, verse of scripture. And it is in the 32nd verse, Daniel 11. Did I tell you Daniel 11? Chapter 11, verse number 32 Daniel eleven thirty two says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. The margin of my Bible says pollute with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out Great exploits. Now, I know that a lot of times when people read this passage or hear it quoted, I I simply know this because I know human nature. A lot of people, when they hear this, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Very often Christians will think about somebody else some other person that they believe is strong in God and capable of carrying out great exploits. They'll think, whether they they actually frame these words internally and think about them consciously or not, There's with a lot of people, there's the idea, well, that couldn't be me. I mean, that couldn't be talked about. I'll never do a great exploit. But how many of you here today know your God? How many of you know your God? Well, how many of you can see this is talking about you? I believe that this applies to this generation and this time more so than in any time before or any generation before because of the needs of the hour because of the urgency of the hour, because of the fact that we're living in the end of the end days, the very last days before Jesus returns. Now, I can't predict the day of his return, but I have a sense that it's very, very soon. You can say, well, but preachers and and Christians have believed that for centuries. True, and we're supposed to. Because the New Testament, in New Testament times, the apostles exhorted the people to, to be looking for his imminent return, imminent return. So if they were supposed to be looking for his soon return, then we're supposed to be looking for his soon return. All generations should. But having said that, other generations haven't seen the things in the world that we've seen. They haven't seen the political, uh, uh, geopolitical uh, developments and alignments of nations and the, and, and the gathering uh, storm clouds of, of, of uh, uh, stress and trouble that, that seem to be breaking upon our planet right now. Not in the degree we have. 
And so I believe we're living in the very last of the last days. And what time and to what people would this apply more than to us and at this time? And if it applies to us, it applies to all of us. Those who know their God. See, it's not those who are strong, but those who know their God shall be strong. It's not those who are strong and therefore know their God. It's those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. You see, the strength is in the knowing God. The source of the exploits is God, not me or you. Those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. You know, that's something you should begin to say about yourself. I've begun to say that about myself. Just as a matter of confession of my faith that I am strong and I do great exploits. Amen. Now, like I've mentioned before, when you think of great exploits, don't necessarily think of Superman. He's not talking about leaping over buildings with a single bound. He's not talking about racing faster than a locomotive. Okay? He might be. It could happen. But that's not the definition of a great exploit. What does the Bible say a great exploit is? Well, first of all, let's, let's establish this fact. You're not going to be strong and do great exploits apart from faith. You're not going to be weak in faith and at the same time be strong and do great exploits. Would you agree? In order to be strong in God, you have to have great faith. You have to have Bible faith. You have to have strong faith to be strong in God. The Bible says Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. See, just praising God for the answer ahead of time is strong faith. And see, you think that applies to somebody else. That applies to you. You can do that. You can, you can give thanks before the answer comes. God calls that being strong in faith. Well, the people who, who know their God, by, how do you know God? You can't know God apart from this word. You can't know him apart from that. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I cannot know God the Father and I cannot know and understand the Lord Jesus Christ except through this word. Then he went on to say, God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are all the word says they are. And I can't know any of the Trinity apart from this word. See, we know God by getting into his word. This is his word. It was written for us. Moses says the things, said the things which have been revealed belong to us and to our children that we may do it. He said there are some secret things that, that haven't been given to us. They belong to the Lord. But the things that have been revealed, talking about the word of God, those things belong to us. God has given us his word so that we might know him 
Now, I know we know him in the new birth as far as having a born-again experience, but uh, 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 knowing him is more than just being born into his family. It's knowing him intimately. And you can't get that way except by digging into the word of God. And what happens when you get into the word? Faith. See, faith, faith goes along with the word, just sort of like wet goes with water. You can't have water and not have wet. Well, you can't have the word, not have faith. As soon as the word of God comes, as soon as you read the word, and every time you read the word, as soon as the understanding of it comes, I don't mean, you know, total or complete uh, uh, understanding, because none of us can understand all about anything in the word. But when understanding comes from the word, faith is there. It's right. Faith is there right then. You can act on that right then. I've said before, the people in the New Testament that, that Jesus ministered to, the people that the apostles ministered to in the book of Acts and so forth, those people that were delivered and did great things, they didn't go to, to a six-week-long seminar on faith. They heard a message, they believed it, and they acted on it, and they had miracles. So when the revelation of the word comes to you, when the understanding of the word comes, so you can read the word surface, you know, read it, just sort of skimming over the top and it not really get into your heart. But when you study the word or meditate on the word or feed on the word and it drops down on the inside of you and you, and you know what I'm talking about, that's that, that sense of illumination, you begin to see something and it, it begins to, Spirit of God begins to show it to you and begin to understand it. Faith is there. You can act on that right then. Amen. You don't have to wait till you get to church. Act on it right then. So the people who know their God know him through the word and so faith comes by hearing the word therefore they will be strong and do exploits hallelujah we talked two weeks ago about one of the most uh, critical elements of our faith walk or or one of the most critical uh, components of the operation of faith is not only believing something in our heart but saying something with our mouth, confessing. Now, when you, when you use the word confess, regretfully, most people who haven't been taught much about the Bible, most people have a, uh, a negative concept of that word. When they, when they hear the word confess, they think immediately of the confession of sin or the confession of some uh, wrong or a crime or something like that. And in fact, if you look up the word confess in the dictionary, those are the first definitions that come up. To admit to doing wrong, to admit to a sin, to admit to a crime or to something else. And, and that's, that is a biblical definition as well. But then the dictionary goes on uh, to say there's a positive side of it. To confess also means to profess one's faith in something. And really, there are four ty types of confession in the Bible. The first one, I'll just mention it and not mention it again because it doesn't apply to us. The first kind of confession in the Bible, in the New Testament, is the confession of the Jews under the Old Covenant when John the Baptist went out and the, and the, and the Israel, people of Israel came to him, to Jordan, confessing their sins and were baptized in water. That's not Christian baptism. They weren't baptized in the name of Jesus. It was a baptism of repentance and they came confessing their sins. Well, that, that applied to the Jews under the old covenant because, you know, even though it's in the New Testament, 
Until Jesus was raised from the dead, the old covenant was still in effect. So all during the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he operated as a prophet, of course, the son of God, but he stood in the office of prophet operating under the old covenant up until the time he was raised from the dead, crucified and raised from the dead. And so the Jews, their, their confession doesn't apply to us. It has nothing to do with us whatsoever. Then there is the sinner's confession of Jesus as Lord. Romans 10 says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice that is not a confession of sin. If you shall confess, this is Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. So that's not confessing sin, that's confessing Jesus as Lord. So that's a positive confession, that's not not confession of sin. We have three that apply to us today. I mentioned the fourth one, but we won't mention that again because it doesn't apply to us. The three that apply to us, number one, is the sinner's confession of Jesus as Lord. Then the believer's confession of sin when he, after he's saved and he sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9 was not written to the unbeliever. It wasn't written to unsaved people. It was written to Christians. See, when a Christian sins, even though he is a child of God and has been made right with God, justified by faith, when he sins, when when we sin as as a Christian, we go to the Lord and we confess that sin. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for 1 John 1, 9. And then Hebrews uh, chapter three, go over there with me. Hebrews chapter three. So of the, of the three remaining, and I'll tell you the, the third one here, of the three remaining, we've already looked at two of them. One is the sinner's confession of, of Jesus as Lord. The other is the believer's confession of sin. Notice one of them has to do with sin. The other one has to do with the lordship of Jesus. You following me? Now go to Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter three. Therefore, holy brethren... Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Notice the Lord Jesus Christ is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Well, this isn't the confession of sin. This is the confession of him as Lord, Jesus as Lord. He is the high priest, the apostle and the high priest of that confession. Go over to chapter four. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Well, now again, this couldn't be referring to the confession of sin because when you confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9 says that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When God forgives you and cleanses you, he doesn't remember it anymore. Well, why would you hold fast to that confession? Unfortunately, some Christians do that. They, they you know, do something wrong and they let the devil just beat them up over it. And they continue to go to the Lord. Just, I'm just so sorry. Just continue to confess it, confess it, and confess it. Well, if you believe the word and you believe he forgives you, then after that, it's wiped clean. He doesn't know anything about it. And you keep bringing it up to him I mean, that, that's total confusion. 
So that couldn't be what this is talking about. We're told to hold fast to our confession. Well, what confession is he talking about? He's talking about the confession of who we are, of the Lordship of Jesus, what he's done for us, what belongs to us, what we can do. In other words, to the, the word confess in the original Greek simply means to say the same thing, to agree with or to say the same thing. If you apply that to sin, when you've sinned and you know you've sinned, listen, if you don't know you have, don't try to dig something up. But on the inside of you, you know when you do wrong. If you do wrong, your heart tells you you've sinned. Well, what is confession? It's agreeing with that, saying the same thing. Go to the Lord and say, you know, I've sinned. That's, That's saying the same thing. But on the positive side, notice of the three we've we've looked at, the 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 sinner's confession of Christ, that's not the confession of sin, that's positive. The believer's confession of his faith in the word of God and confessing the truths of the New Testament, that's not a confession of sin, that's positive. And then the other one was the, was the uh, believer's confession of sin when he has sinned. That is negative, necessary, but negative. So two of the three are positive and only one's negative. So that tells me that it's twice as important that we learn about biblical confession in the sense of confessing who we are, what we have, what we can do. We have to say these things with our mouth. That's why I said you should get in the habit of confessing to yourself that I am strong. I know my God and I am strong and I do exploits in his name. Glory to God. Begin to say that. The more you say it, the stronger the reality of it is in your life. Now, what does it look like to do exploits for the Lord? Turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. What does it look like? Oh, I could never do great exploits for the Lord. That, that belongs to brother, uh, you know, sister holiness and brother uh, shouting shoes. You know, that, I couldn't do that. Well, let, let's see. Let's see what, what God declares to be great exploits. Chapter 11, uh, verse number one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Oh, glory. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. That means they did great exploits. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts or of his offering, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Abel is, give, the example of Abel is given to us as something that God considers a great exploit. We call this chapter the chapter of, of, the, of the heroes of faith. Those were the people that did great. These are the ones that God pointed out to us. The heroes of the Old Testament. The, one who did great, the ones who did great exploits. Notice every one of them did it by faith. And what did Abel do? He just offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He tithed and honored God, put God first, 
came according to the word of God. Can you do that? I mean, can you, can you offer uh, acceptable sacrifices to the Lord? Yeah. Tithing, giving offerings, uh, coming to God according to the word, not according to some, you know, there, God, there, there was evidently some measure of revelation about a blood offering as opposed to a non-blood offering that, that his brother offered. And so Abel came with, with a blood sacrifice and God had respect to that and honored that. And it represented a tithe, a tenth of all that he had, had uh, produced of his, of his uh, 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 livestock and so forth. God respected that. Well, can we do that? Listen, that's not jumping over buildings. That's not running faster than a train. Just offering a sacrifice to God according to his word. Just coming according to the word and offering acceptable sacrifice. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, which is the fruit of our lips. Is that acceptable unto God? Yeah, it says it is. Which are acceptable unto God. That's, that's an exploit. I said, that's a great exploit. It got able, it landed him in the, in the chapter of the heroes of faith. And it says that God testified of his gift Listen, what we think is a great exploit might not be what God thinks is a great exploit and what God thinks as to be a great exploit, we might not otherwise think so. God thought this was great. And he, though he's dead, by his gifts, his, his faith is still speaking. Now, let's go. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know that Enoch had a testimony. He was known for pleasing God by faith. I can do that. I said, I can do that. I I think I can do that. I think I can please God by faith. And I believe I can walk with God. How hard is that? But look what it got him. God just took him. Just took him. I heard a preacher say one time, he walked so close to God that finally the Lord said, you're closer to me than you are to the rest of them. Why don't you just come on home? Well, I don't know about that, but I know he walked with God and I know he was a a man under, uh, uh, even before the old covenant, he didn't have, Jesus hadn't been, hadn't been crucified and raised from the dead. I believe I can walk with God. I also believe I'm gonna be taken. Yeah. Yeah, can we do that? Yeah, we're gonna be taken. We're gonna be, t- I said we're gonna be taken. We're, we're, it, it will be said of us, oh yeah, I remember that Steve Morgan, but he, he is not. He's gone. He used to, he used to, I used to see him at the gym, but I don't see him anymore. What happened? He was with that crowd that got taken. Hallelujah. How are we going to do that? Faith. Amen. Woo. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he would, would receive as an, as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. 
For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was told to go out to a place which he would afterwards receive for inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. Can you do that? Yep. Yep. I, I, would, I would dare say most of us have done that. Have you ever had to step out and obey God and follow God's leading and do something that you didn't understand and you didn't know where it was gonna lead you or what the end result was gonna be, but you just sensed that God was leading you to do it and, and uh, 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 other people told you, well, you know, why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. And I just, I just, I just sense I'm supposed to do it. Patrick uh, uh, Perkins, sorry, <laughs> went blank. Patrick told us a few weeks ago how he just felt impressed to quit a job. Well, you know, ordinarily, that's not real smart. You have a job, you keep it. A lot of people don't have jobs. He just, he was led, am I, am I saying this right? He was led just to quit a job. And it wasn't, what, a matter of days or week, a couple of weeks, a, a, a new job just dropped in his lap. Better than the old job, paying more, better arrangements. Well, now at the time, I don't know what Brittany told you. I don't know what the, I don't know what the discussions were. Oh, honey, I'm quitting my job. Oh, that's wonderful, sweetheart. I don't know if that happened or not. I don't know. I don't I'm not getting in on, I'm just not getting in that. But what I'm saying is he went out into a place not knowing where he was going. That's a great exploit. I said, that's a great exploit. Can you do that? And I'm not saying quit your job. I'm just saying, you can obey God. You can obey God. You can go out onto a place that you don't understand where it's gonna lead, where it's taking you. You can obey God. And when you do, God says, great exploit. If Abraham, Enoch, and Abel can go down in the great hall of fame of faith, for doing something that I can do, I think when I get there, my name's gonna be there too. Those examples where I, where I obeyed God, where I walked with God, I, you can't say it's not gonna happen. I'm just gonna believe I'm gonna be in the great hall of fame of faith too. Doing exploits, that's what I'm talking about. Listen, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age. Why? How'd she do that? Because she judged him faithful who promised. You can do that. I'm not saying you're gonna bear a child in your old age. I'm not, I'm not it, but if the Lord wants you to, you're good. But my point is, it wasn't what she believed. What did I say? Nope, nope, somebody said no, no, not me. My point is, she just judged, she just judged God faithful. In something that looked impossible, she judged God faithful. Great exploit. A great exploit happened because she judged God as faithful in the face of contradictory circumstances. Ooh, hallelujah. That's a great exploit. Amen. Uh, let's go down to... Uh, verse, just, we just got so much in here. Skip to verse 23. By faith, Moses... When he was born, was hidden three months by his parents 
because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of, son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked for the reward. Hallelujah. Can you do that? Can you choose to forego the pleasures of sin for a season because you have respect for the promise? Can you do that? Yeah, you can do that. Moses did great things. He did great exploits, but he did it by faith, simply by obeying God. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, oh, you know, I skipped, I'm, I wanted to talk about uh, Noah. I, I realized I skipped over something. Go back to verse seven. I skipped Noah. We don't want to skip Noah. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. See, that's what faith has to do with. Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. Faith is the evidence of what? Come on now. Faith is the evidence of what? Things not seen. But notice, not seen as yet. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of God of things not yet seen, not, seen, not only not seen, but not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, Noah is one of the big cats of the Old Testament. I mean, he built the ark. But you know what? At the time, it, uh, it wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't really a great exploit. Now the ark, now, now some people say it took, it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. Other people say that's, that's really not exactly what that scripture means. I don't know how long it took him. But the ark was a, was a little over 400 feet long. And it was 75 feet wide, not very wide, about the width of this auditorium, I guess, from there to there. Uh... 40, around 40 feet tall. It was a big ship. But, you know, 400 feet long, that's, that's less than the length of my property that I live on. So, uh, you know, that was a big ship, but he had three sons, presumably. They helped him build it. I don't know how long it took him, but it's hard to imagine it would take 120 years, even something that big, four able-bodied men. But however long it took him, the thing is, every day he was mocked. Every single day he was criticized, he was mocked. If you go back and, and read the condition of the world in the days of Noah, the world was a very, very dark place. You're talking about Gotham City, I'm telling you. The world was an awful, creepy place. It says the imaginations of men's hearts was evil. All day long, the earth was filled with violence. There was bloodshed and violence and occult practices and, and witchcraft and, and, and all forms of ungodliness just out of control. So much so that it says God was sorry that he'd even created man. Think about that. He looked down at this mess 
I don't know if, if tears came out of his eyes or not, but it just says he was sorry. He said, I'm sorry that I even made man on this earth. That's the world righteous Noah lived in. And, and God said, I'm going to destroy this world. I want you to build a boat. And he set out to build it. Can you do that? Can you do what God asked of you to do? Sure you can. It didn't require superhuman ability to build that ark. Just natural ability. It took some time. I don't know how long, but it took, some, took a few years, I'm sure. But every day, given just what we know about the condition of the world, you know he was mocked, ridiculed. People probably tried to set fire to that thing. They probably tried to sabotage it. I mean, the, the, the possibility that you would ever need a boat didn't even exist. There was no reason to build a boat. But here he is day after day, just obeying God, just day after day going about his business. God said this. He, he was warned of things. I don't see him. He didn't see the rain. I've just been warned of it. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah, you can build an ark. Whatever that means to you, whatever God is asking you to do, you can do that. And will people laugh at you and mock you and criticize you and ridicule you? Yep, yep. Can you do it anyway? Yeah. You know what God calls that? Great exploit. Great exploit. I said a great exploit. Let's finish up here real quick. Go back to Hebrews 11. Let's shout a little bit before we go. Glory to God. Hallelujah. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Verse 30. By faith, the harlot Rahab. Can you do what a harlot did? We won't ask you that, but but you can be you can live by faith. Glory to God, with those who did not believe when she when she received the spies with with peace. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Woo, glory to God, the deliverer, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence and escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned the flight to flight the armies of the aliens. Oh, glory to God. Can we do that? Yeah. All of those things. I said all of those things. Oh, glory. How do we do that? By faith. Calling those things which be not as though they were. Speaking what the word says. Believing the, 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 the God of the Bible. Just living by faith. When you live by faith and do what God asks you to do, that is a great exploit. Glory to God. You can stop the mouths of lions. You can escape the violence of the sword. You can do great things, praise God. Well, that's not all of it. Let's keep on reading. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Oh, no, now, Pastor, don't go. Don't read the rest of this. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance so they might t- obtain a resurrection. Well, give me an example. What about Stephen? Torture, stoned to death. It's a torturous death. What, was he not in faith? Yeah, he was. We're, a lot of people are concerned about the world in which we live and what's going to happen to Christians. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to stop the mouths of the lions. We're going we're to uh, uh, overcome the violence of the sword. You're go, we're going to put to flight the armies of the aliens. But I can also tell you some are going to be tortured. Yeah. 
But when it happens, listen, when, when, when Stephen was, was stoned to death, it said that he had a glimpse over into the glory world and saw Jesus standing. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. But when the heavens open and Stephen, his rocks are hitting him, you know, and they're calling him names in the rocks. And, you know, I tell you what, I'll go like that. I said, I'll go like that. I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll suffer persecution. I'll suffer those things if I can have a glimpse of the glory of God in the middle of it. That changes everything. Says he, he saw the heavens open and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing. Jesus stood up as he looked down on, on Stephen being stoned. Jesus stood up. Folks, that's worth dying for. I said, that's worth dying for. I said, that's worth dying for. Yeah, every time people were suffered things that we read about here, every time people suffered things like this, it talks about people wandering around in caves and dens. I think about Elijah. He was, he was hunkered down in a cave in a den hiding, you know, from Jezebel. And, and, and oh my Lord, God appeared to him. Woo, the, wind, the, the, the voice of God came. Yeah, no matter what God requires of you, there will be grace, there will be power, and it will be an exploit, glory to God, that God will be honored by. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I'm planning on uh, quenching the violence of the sword. That's, that's, where, I, that's where I'm planning on doing. And, and for most people, I believe that's the will of God. But if it turns out, for some reason that it's the will of God that we suffer otherwise, I tell you what, there will be glory. There will be glory. There's nothing to be afraid of when we follow the plan of God. When we do what God has asked us to do, there is nothing to fear. Glory to God. Oh, we're, I, why? We know God. We know God. We know him by his word. We're strong. Glory to God. We're going to do exploits. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I'm reminded of a story when back in, in the days of uh, the New Testament, just, you know, during the New Testament era, during the book of Acts and, you know, whenever uh, Christians were being uh, uh, persecuted by Rome, Nero, you know, was doing all those horrible things to Christians. Christians were dragged into the arenas and thrown to, to wild beasts would actually tear them apart alive. That happened to Christians in the first century. Uh, some Christians were burned at the stake, burned alive. Nero actually made torches out of their bodies. It's a historical fact. But I heard a story, and, and I think it was from uh, uh, the historian Justin Martyr. I think he wrote this. But that during those days, when they would bind the Christians up to burn them, the other Christians looking on, they had a code. They had something they'd worked out before. 
And, and it went like this. Whenever you're set on fire, if God's grace is sufficient, just raise your little finger or just raise one finger if God's grace is sufficient. He said time after time, they'd raise two fingers. His grace is more than enough. Right in the middle of being tortured, they would raise those two fingers. His grace is not only sufficient, it's more than enough. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.